What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop. On Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, with us on the line for a multiple times now. Got to be at least three or four times. We've called this guy up and he always delivers the goods. Kyle Thompson, how's it going? Uh, it's going good, Brad. Uh, glad to be on again. I think it's my third time, maybe fourth. I'm pretty sure it's third, though, but uh, always a pleasure. At least the third time. We'll have to go back in the archive to check, but at this point, everyone's just starting to uh, get that much more familiar with hearing that uh, that 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 voice of yours, uh, because I, you got to know that they're, they're tuning in uh, on weekends to watch the live races, and if they're not able to catch that, they've also uh, had the first round from Calgary already uh, broadcast on TSN, so uh, you're a big deal now. I don't know about big deal, but uh, it's been a great experience. I enjoy it. But just it, talking to Cole today, I just got back home yesterday, and Cole and I were training, and I said, uh, man, I had to rewatch the race because I'm like, when you're talking and talking about the race, like, you really don't take it in. You're just kind of like, you're nonstop talking about it. So it's like, man, when I watched it again, um, I was able to really um, appreciate it. That was a, an amazing race there. The second 250 and the second 450 were, like, some of the best racing we've seen this year. Absolutely. I, I might even add uh, for the best racing we've seen in, in quite some time, uh, at, at any rate, as far as motocross goes, good racing is good racing. And uh, I totally agree. Whether I'm taking photos or I'm announcing a race, um, I often have to go back and rewatch it or, or I'll miss things that uh, um, were either on the other side of the track or my attention was elsewhere. So uh, um, really cool that you're able to, uh, to, to do the announcing and then uh, afterwards uh, take in some of your, uh, your hard work and, uh, and enjoy it because uh, you guys going four races in a row now, a little bit of reprieve uh, after, after some hard work, and uh, it's well-earned. Yeah, no, 100%, man. The four, we knew like when we put the schedule out, uh, originally the schedule had like a week break in between BC and Manitoba just because it's a, a quite the drive. So we hauled butt, like we tore down Sunday in Prince George, we hauled butt um, Monday, Tuesday, got there to Manitoba and went to work again. So yeah. we knew it was going to be a haul. We originally had a break, but then uh, a lot of talk, you know, like not giving, you know, letting the trucks kind of do the four rounds and get going back to Ontario was the, the main deal. So they didn't have to sit out there for another week. 
So we went back to back to back. And uh, honestly, it was a grind, but I just stayed out there the whole time. Just lived in the motorhome. I was traveling with my dad. Oh, awesome. Um, so it was good. Yeah, it was good that way. It just felt like um, it just felt like we were like privateers just running the circuit, you know, um, on the road. Um, and it's almost like a, a hockey tournament uh, feel when you go away with your teammates. We had all our guys on the road. Uh, we were hoteling it in, in the campground, whatnot. So honestly, it was a good bonding experience when we go Ontario and Quebec and then Moncton, it's going to be a little bit more split up, more laid back. I think the, the major grind that we did is going to help us, you know, get these next few rounds just rock solid. For sure. A four week blast of togetherness to galvanize the crew and, uh, and off you guys head set sail to the, uh, the East coast and uh, a whole lot more sand tracks. And uh, uh, from, from, from your side of things, a whole lot, uh, just like some po- more polished execution, because uh, as you, as you probably know, at this point, uh, the growing pains of a, a brand new series are all too real. Um, whether that be new administrators, people not being on the same page. Now, after four rounds, things are becoming a little bit, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing now. We're, we're clicking things off. And it certainly sewed this weekend at McNabb Valley and Mex Park, where uh, I got to say, you guys are on time and uh, the, the, the stars came out to shine. Yeah, no, you're spot on with all that, man. Like learning, learning how to do outdoors. We've done eight plus years indoors. Like I want to say like close to a thousand events between, uh, you know, my brother and myself. And honestly, it was like, we got hit in Calgary pretty hard with the fact that it's like, it's different. You're outdoors in the uh, element. There's so much more space to take care of. Um, you know, just so much more staff to organize. And we're thankful for everybody, like all the clubs, all the tracks that were just so willing to help out and, uh, you know, get it dialed in. But yeah, from Calgary, when we started out, our schedule was just out to launch. Uh, we dealt with a lot of the weather issues. So that like with the wind and just being hot and not getting enough water in there. So, Man, it was a huge learning curve, but I think by McNabb, I think everything was spot on. Uh, we lost actually a few staff members along the way, one to injury, one to family stuff, um, you know, another one to personal issues. So, man, we were like down some people and we still, you know, made it happen and it was even better. For sure. Uh, hopefully keeping uh, some of the most important pieces going. And uh, I, I got to uh, give a hats off to uh, your brother. Uh, not not the guy that's uh, on the, the, the motocross seat, but Justin Thompson, uh, up early in the morning at the Pro National, uh, up early in the morning on the amateur side of things. The guy's on the floor. He's involved. He's he's not uh, running this thing from afar. We often joke in the, in the construction industry where a lot of uh, bosses run the comp company from the, the cab of their truck. The guy's in the trenches. He's taking care of business and making sure that uh, uh, all all the the eyes are dotted, the T's are crossed. A lot. He's you know, to me, he's a lot like uh, like the general manager of a great restaurant, where he's going around to every table and make sure that everything uh, is just so with everybody. And uh, honestly, my hats off to him because that's not an easy job. Yeah, no, he shocks. Um, he shocks me too. Like I'm very surprised with the amount of uh, workload he has on his plate, and he's still able to be there at the event and. Um, I know he's got so much work that he needs to be get taken care of and looking after, but he's still there making sure, you know, the customer is happy, the people, the riders, everybody that's coming is happy and it's a, you know, well-run event. Um, so yeah, definitely give him props, man. He, uh, he's a grinder. And I think that's what it takes in this industry to make it happen and to make a better sport is just a bunch of grinders out there working um, that just are motivated by the, the love of the sport.
Absolutely, and, and you know he's got a lot on his plate. But uh, when when you're when you're passionate about something, uh, you're able to uh, kind of swallow a few more things uh, as far as uh, hiccups along the road. And he's definitely doing that. Um, what would you say is other, outside of the the schedule from uh, the 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 first round in, in Calgary? What would you say has been the biggest hurdle for you guys to overcome? And uh, and how did you do that? Honestly, just. Um... The biggest hurdle is just the fact that it was very, it was very tight in scheduling as far as the week to week goes. Like we would be done and tear down, but we'd have to be at the next round for like Tuesday night so we can start doing the Wednesday build. So I think it's just the fact that our guys were just nonstop, and you don't, when you don't have a break like that, it wears on you. So just being able to uh, put that behind us and work together as a team, I think that was our biggest thing. At first, it was like people weren't doing what they're supposed to do kind of thing, but they, they didn't know. So now they do know what, you know, what their position is. So just getting people in positions that they know their day to day and working together, like, Hey, I'm going to take care of this. You got that covered. And then I'll send some people over there to help you kind of thing. Just working seamlessly. So I think the four week, the four weeks, it just progressed and everybody kind of knew the position by, you know, week three or four. And I think McNabb's like they're, their love for the sport, their willingness to help out anywhere they could really made this last weekend just unbelievable. Absolutely. I, I really feel like in the, from the eyes of Brad McNabb, he's a guy who uh, his son races at the highest level possible in Canada and the United States. Uh, being part of the Canadian KTM Orange Brigade team. Uh, he's a Fox-sponsored athlete. He's a KTM-sponsored athlete. And uh, the family works super hard to make sure that he's spending as much time on both sides of the border to uh, to go down to Bakersfield, uh, California, and uh, and ride with uh, rider DeFrancesco, or going down to uh, the master pools to go ride and stuff like that when when the, the wind chill is at minus 30 back home. And then coming back here to, uh, to race multiple rounds of the... Uh, of the Parts Canada Amateur Open Series, which has been awesome. I think he's collected uh, more than a couple of championships so far to his credit. Yeah. And uh, en route to uh, the Walton Transcan, which we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, I think that Brad really took this opportunity to say, this is my one shot to do this absolutely all in. I can like you can, I can either treat it as, oh, it's my first one, we'll see how it goes, or we can just absolutely jump in with both feet. And uh, from what I heard, there was three days worth of sand trucks being dumped into the back section there to create those sand rollers. That section was never there prior to uh, this last weekend. Um, changing where the, the finish line is, changing the just the, a lot of the landscape, and also building one of the biggest step-up uphill jumps that uh, Canadian motocross has ever seen, especially in the 250 class, because I think there's more than a few case jumps, uh, case marks yeah. in the, the the landing of that thing. To, to yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, no, I, I, I got to give the hats off to that guy. The guy did a lot of work. I have so much respect for uh, Brad and his whole family. Um, you know, it was numerous phone calls with him, and he's just an easy guy to deal with. You know, like he's just like when you talk to him, he's just like a best friend kind of thing. Like yep. you just throw anything at him. It's like, yeah, no worries, man. I'll get, you know, it's just like, I don't know. It's just in, that whole family, like I hung out with riders so much this weekend and just, man, I just enjoyed the whole time. You know, it didn't feel like work at all. It felt like I was just hanging out with buddies on the weekend. We we're putting on a race and enjoying it. And, uh, yeah, the work that they put in is crazy, but that was their, you know, that's their goal. They've been to American nationals. They've been to amateur nationals in the state and they know 
the level that they, you know, have down there. So they wanted to bring it up here. You know, they wanted to bring that experience to the riders up here. And I think they delivered in more than enough ways. So I, I can't uh, give it up to like the McNabb family enough, like just so much, like anything we had, man, it was like, like any problem we had, there was, they had it fixed, you know, it wasn't an issue. Obviously we have a few things that we want to change for next year's national. Like, but you know what I mean? We knew that going in. We're like, Hey, let's try it out. If it goes good, well, we'll do these adjustments for next year and make it even better. So going in, we knew that. And um, yeah, we're excited to go there in 2019. For sure. As, as always, always room for improvement, but uh, Brad set the bar pretty high for himself to be able to top in 2019. Yeah. And uh, and that being said, let's talk a little bit about the racing um, and, and also the, the points uh, series so far in, in this championship. Uh, Colton Fasciati comes out uh, like he so he drank some sort of truth se- or a uh, youth serum and uh, and comes out wins some motos like absolutely ungodly leads forty five seconds plus uh, and yeah. uh, and and comes out flying the next the next four motos uh, he struggles a little bit in the in the the mud as well as uh, yeah honestly like other than getting the pole position this last weekend had his uh, his his bobbles as well uh, what do you make of uh, a four fifty class that's currently tied Hiding points at 199. Yeah, no, like it's been a good series so far. Like it was looking like a runaway. Like Colton was just going to check out on everybody. He like his riding in those first two rounds was like Colton back in his prime of Blackfoot days when he could just do anything on a dirt bike. Yeah, and it was like he kind of hit a wall for those last few years where he's just like maybe not confident. Um, maybe it just took him a bit to get warmed up. To be honest with you, I want to credit it to like the fact that he's been racing since like February. He did a bunch of arena crosses and that's something he hasn't done in a long time. Right. So I agree. Yeah. Him coming in a little, a little warmed up. Uh, he just was like on his a game. He got two good starts in Calgary and it just set the tone. Like I'm the man I'm going to crush these guys. And he did. And then he backed it up at Popcom. So yeah, a little bit of falter when he had uh, that crash in the first moto of Prince George and maybe took the wind out of his sails. But other than that, uh, yeah, he's been riding unreal. Like this weekend, he went what four four or something like that fourth overall. Yeah, I think um, three four for behind, fourth. Yeah, that's what it was. And he was just behind those guys um, as far as like they're all like man. You watch a lap times, and it was like mesmerizing to watch lap times because it'd be like you know, Kevin was had the fastest, and Michael Lessie had had the fastest, and Colton, and Cole, and then Matt. So it was like these guys were swapping fast laps after fast laps, even Tyler Medaglia in the first moto. And it was just like, man, how are these guys doing it? How are these one lap? This guy's just got a second on him. The next lap, that guy, it's just that whole class is like, you know, at the front is amazing. Absolutely, and, and also add into this uh, mixture that uh, if not for a stater going out, I, I think we could probably yeah. uh, assume that uh, Tyler Medaglia would probably have uh, bettered his uh, finish in the in the second moto by probably about ten spots, would, would, which would make a three way tie at ni- 198 points uh, for all th- all three riders going into the break here. Uh, probably um, maybe the best four rounds we've ever seen from Tyler Medaglia uh, and also a resurgent from Colton and uh, from uh, a Matt Gerke who probably isn't really all that happy with how his season's gone so far. He's got to share the lead. Yeah. So he went uh, with Gerke two, 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 three, like that's his overalls. And I mean, he did the same thing last year, just stayed consistent and didn't falter from that podium and he won the championship. So, but yeah, as far as Tyler goes, 
and he should have had a, at least a podium around fourth this weekend after going second in that first moto. He was ripping. But, yeah, skater problem, nothing to do with his riding, Drop back to 15th at moto. So that's really unfortunate. I seen him after the race. I could see the frustration in his eyes. Like, he was just, you know, nothing he could do, man. He just tried to survive for some points. And it's too bad because, yeah, you're right, that uh, it kind of left him, like, 20 points, 21 points behind the leader where he should have been maybe, like, you know, five to ten with a, another good ride in that second moto. So, yeah, frustrating. But yeah, Max Macker, he just continuing to be a champion. He is Colton Fasciati. Obviously, have a couple bad rounds, but still tied the point. So going east should be good. Absolutely, and and what's not to be uh, um, discounted or, uh, or or looked over whatsoever is the fact that in the second moto, I'm not sure if you know this or if you even paid attention to it during the lap counting, but. Um, Mike Brown had 42 seconds on the on the rider behind him. He was in ninth, and uh, my the guy that I was pitboarding for, uh, Cheyenne Harmon, was in tenth, 42 seconds back. Jeez, man, and Cheyenne's good, man. That yeah. guy rides also. Man, Mike Brown is just a he's a legend. Like I, I, you know, looking at his points, he went ninth and ninth the two times he's been up here. Two top ten finishes for a guy that's like. 46 he's you know a good 20 years older than everybody out there so yeah super super impressive man like his first professional race was lake whitney 1989 wow i was i i I was barely a year old at the time (laughs) yeah i was about uh eight seven years old so yeah good young yeah (laughs) yeah but let's talk a little bit about 250s here. Um, there's been some DNFs throughout. Uh, actually, there's three guys, or two, at least two guys in the top five points that have experienced a DNF already this season. Um, and uh, so far, Jess Pettis has been uh, far and away the, the best guy, and now he currently trails uh, the championship by five points to your current uh, number one uh, red plate holder, yeah. Sean Uh Moffenbeyer goes out east, where I think he might be a little bit uh, more comfortable uh, with a five-point lead. He's he's uh, with only five races left. He's actually looking pretty good here. Yeah, yeah, it's a, man, it's a tough situation. Like I know Jess lost his point to that DNF there, um, and it's too bad. Like I don't know if he could have pushed his bike to the finish. I'm not sure. Like it would have been a freaking haul in that mud, but he's probably kicking himself in the butt for not doing that or not uh, knowing the rule about to, that. Yeah. yeah um, the other DNF going back to the DNF, Dylan Wright kind of like, Oh man, that really bugs me that he's had that many DNFs and due to bike problems. And Osby. For the fact is, man, put that guy with like, say, give him 20 points at each of those DNFs. So, you know, 60 points that would put him up to like a one ninety one. Yep. You know, so that that's not far off the lead and the guy's got the momentum. And it's just like, man, I'm really um, gutted for him and the, the whole GDR, GDR team. But, um, yeah, Sean Moffenbauer doing exactly what a champion needs to do, not winning, but being in the right spot. His worst finish at Prince George there was just an off day, I think. Just wasn't feeling comfortable. But, man, he went like 4-7 on that day and came out with a red plate. So can't be mad about it. Not whatsoever. And, uh, yeah, uh, Matt, Matt Gerke, Sean Moffenbeier proving uh, once again that consistency wins championships. They're currently uh, at least a share of the lead and sole possession of the lead going into this break. Uh, and I assume that a lot of these guys will be uh, spending some time on some uh, some sand tracks, paddle tires, or full sand tires will be out. Because uh, once you go out east, uh, they get some pretty soft soil out that way. 
Yeah. So Santa Lee, it's a bit of a mix. I'm not sure if you've been there, but uh, have, yep. it's got like a, like a harder base, but like a loose top to it. So it gets rough, gnarly, some square edge there. Um, fun track, but it, it's demanding for sure. And then obviously Gopher is the most demanding of them all. Uh, so to be honest with you, like, I feel like Jess, as strong as he is, I don't know if he's got it for Sean. Like Sean's just, I've watched him the last couple of years ride go for dunes and he's been very, very good there. So man, I gotta, I gotta give uh, the nod to Sean Moffenbeier in the East, like you said there. Um, but you gotta look out for, you know, crown, Ozzy, a uh, canella rips at go for dunes. So crown's good in sand. The he's, he's, he's and from, then, yeah. And then I feel like Dylan Wright is out of the championship as far as points go, but he's going to steal some wins. I want to say a one, one for him at uh, Sandalee. And then battle Sean for that win at Gopher Dunes. I think I think you're you're spot on, my friend. Uh, there there will be some exciting racing, both the 250s and the 450s coming up. And uh, as far as the entertainment factor, the Triple Crown Series has delivered. Whether you guys are on time or not, the motos have been pretty epic. Um, what's it like to be able to call those races and kind of be a part of how uh, people are bringing that into their home? That's uh, it's been fun. It's been good um, working with Brett and then also working with Ryan. Um, you know, those guys are experienced in what they do. I know I've seen Brett uh, do a lot of calls at uh, Walton and do a lot of interviews on the podium as well as Galdi. I've seen him forever. He's done CMRC stuff for years. He did uh, like Amsoil Ring across stuff. So just learn as much as I can. Um, you know, it just like those guys are just uh, good. Galdi especially, man. Like he can – he can go on the whole show. He doesn't even need to take a breath, I swear, and he, he dominates. So, no, it's been, like, an awesome experience. I enjoy doing it. The one thing I learned is just needing to talk to the riders more before the race and kind of see where their head's at. And I think I can deliver more, you know, knowledge to the fans out there. It's just kind of what they're feeling, in the you know, in the pits, um, between motos, blah, 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 just learning a bit more about the riders. So I, I tried to make a point of talking to, you know, at least the majority of the guys, the guys that are, you know, up front and just kind of get a good read on them. For sure. And it's getting that, uh, that insider information that the fans absolutely love. That's what I try and bring to, to my announcing gigs, uh, like kind of fill in the gaps of, of the, what, uh, is happening on the, on the screen is the kind of the why or, or, uh, say if somebody happens to be fading, you know, that maybe they had some, uh, food poisoning the a few days prior or yeah. didn't get a great sleep because the, the 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 motel room at the gateway in 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 Minnedosa wasn't amazing <laughs> uh which is where <laughs> I slept uh but yeah. um yeah stuff like that and it, i think it really brings uh brings the the race to life and you're you're certainly good at that um and uh yeah i, I think you're a welcome addition to uh, to the broadcast you and Brett seem to uh, have some chemistry after this i guess being uh almost you guys have been together nine rounds already yeah, actually, Brett missed two. He had to oh, right. uh, do some work about the Walton, uh, whatnot. So he was home for, I got Scott Ponick from uh, Popcom. So he's the owner of Popcom, or that's one right. of the owners there. And then um, I had a, a slew of uh, different people. I had Chris Pomeroy, Courtney Lloyd, and Big Wave there come on for um, Prince George. And then Brett was back for last round. So, yeah, so me, uh, Brett and I have been doing it um, quite a bit, but... I think it really helped me when Brett wasn't there because I took on kind of a different role and tried to call the shot. Okay. And yeah, I learned, I learned a bit, you know, learned how to try to control the show. You know, Brett was always the guy that would run the show and he kind of throw it to me. And 
I was the one throwing it to like Chris or Big Wave or Courtney and that. So, yeah, man, it's been a it's been great. And I've worked with uh, Dan Beaton. He's our track guy. So, uh, for the amateur open stuff at Prince George and uh, Minnedosa, where you helped us out. So, yeah, it's been it's been great. Absolutely, the ever bashful Big Wave getting on the microphone. I'm sure the guy's <laughs> face was nine shades of red. <laughs> yeah, he went on for a ladies' moto, which is tough because honestly, like I'm not as familiar you know, calling the ladies moto, like I'm not familiar with names, you know, I've, I've watched the pro moto stuff for, you know, since Cole was pro since beyond that, you know, I raced it and stuff. So I've known these guys, I've seen these guys grow up, but Western ladies class, man, it was, it was tricky to get to learn these guys, the girls, sorry. And, and just call the shots and, you know, talk about them. And I just don't know them. I couldn't even put the uh, face to a name kind of thing. So Definitely got to do some research and homework on that to improve those uh, those calls. For sure, and and, uh, and while you had mentioned it, the ladies' class in the, on the west side has their champion uh, Kennedy Lutz. Uh, pretty dominant performance, uh, of course. Uh, Shelby Turner not in attendance due to a broken leg, but nevertheless, girl put in some uh, pretty solid motos. Ends up with the championship, and then uh, in in unexpected fashion, uh, decides to uh, retire from the sport of motocross one day after uh, her championship run. Yeah, I know that's. That's what I was wondering. Like I didn't really hear her interview and I seen her crying up there. Didn't realize until after on social media that she's done with racing. So kind of sad. Like I feel like she's young and, um, I don't think she's 18 yet. Really? If she's just 18, maybe at most, I think, uh, the first time I had her on my show, I don't think it was my second year doing this. And I don't think, I think she was 16 at the time. So she yeah. might be 18, 19. Is it because of school? I didn't even get the, the real reason. I just seen that um, she was done and calling it quits. And yeah, I wasn't sure why. No, I, I'd, uh, um, I, I didn't get the, the, the whole scoop on it, but, uh, either way, um, yeah, a, a long, like a, not a long career, but a lean illustrious career. Uh, I think that, uh, I think she had a couple of injuries and I believe at least a, a collarbone and maybe a knee along the way, a little bit banged up. Uh, maybe saw, um, like a, a future elsewhere, maybe, uh, maybe in broadcasting, maybe she's going for your job. Um, but, yeah. uh, e- either way, um, good on her for grabbing another championship, backs it up and, uh, rides off into the sunset with the red plate. There you go. No, that's, um, that's cool. And, you know, I could see her taking some time doing what she's got to do and then coming back to racing. Cause she's so young, right? Oh, for Even sure. If she took five, six years, you know, she's going to be like, what, maybe 25 and she can come back. And you've seen a lot of girls, like even Heidi cook, you know, race forever, you know, like into their older twenties and into the thirties, you know, so it's oh, not, uh, you know, sure. too far fetched to do that. Well, I think the the the, the young lady that uh, took the overall at the very first round, or maybe that was the the next one after, uh, Tara yeah, Geiger. Uh, she's no no spring chicken. She's been around for a while. I think her and I are about the same age. So if if, uh, yeah. if Tara can come back at it and uh, and and go for a rip, then uh, then maybe Kennedy Lutz can come back to the fray at some point. Yeah, I just hope she stays riding and stays up with it. You know, because you don't want to see them like kind of just drop right off the face of the earth. And um, she's such a good talent that. It'd be, you know, and a role model for a lot of girls. So yes, and a it'd good be way. nice for her to stick in there and even do some schools with, uh, I know FXR does a lot of that stuff. So it'd be cool to see her do that um, just on the side, you know, and, and just give back to uh, motocross because she is such a role model for a lot of girls. 
Absolutely. And I might add a very good role model at that uh, women's motocross is, uh, uh, is, is spoiled to have her as a, as a good role model. Um, and I know that you're, you're a, a huge fan of amateur motocross. You'll be at the, the Walton Transcan at the end of this, uh, this year. And uh, you're always interested to see uh, who's grabbing those regional championships. So I'm sure you flipped open your laptop on Sunday to see this, uh, this, this Manitoba kid handing these things out. What was, what was the surprise factor on you to, uh, to realize that uh, I had completely hijacked the broadcast, uh, basically uh, holding the, uh, uh, the, the camera guy at gunpoint to, to put me on, uh, on, on the stage front and center. Yeah, no, I was, uh, I was pumped. It was, uh, it was good to have somebody local up there that knows the stuff, knows the riders. And honestly, like, like we talked about before the show, it's like, man, we didn't even run into each other. Like we've been talking, we've talked many times over the year and we are in the same vicinity, didn't even talk over the weekend. So I seen you on camera, you sent it back to us each time. So that was cool. But, uh, yeah, next time we're in Manitoba, I'm going to have to run into you for real. Absolutely, I might even have to uh, uh, circle a date on the, the rest of the uh, tri- the the. Yeah. Actually, you know where I'm going to see you is the is most likely Montreal Supercross. I I assume you'll most likely be there. Yeah, yeah, I think I might be there. We'll Fair see enough. how it goes. Well, uh, if if not, I I think I got to uh, circle a, a date on uh, maybe the uh, maybe the Walt Walton Transcan or something along those lines yeah. to uh, to head out east, spend some time. I know Brett Lee uh, was pretty uh, was pretty pumped on uh, my performance uh, on Sunday, so uh, maybe I, I swayed him enough to uh, to get an invite out that way. But uh, um, yeah, I actually had an awesome time uh, giving those guys the opportunity to uh, take a little bit of a break after four three weeks or four straight weeks of uh, of hard announcing and working hard with this series. They were able to uh, yeah. enjoy uh, the the catering a little bit and and, and get the the trophies all ready to go and uh, and that was yeah. important to me. So uh, you guys are doing an amazing job, and uh, I know it's got to be a point of pride for you guys. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was good, man. There was definitely a learning curve, definitely a struggle there, but uh, at the end of the day, it was uh, it ended up being awesome. It was uh, a lot of people were pumped on it, pumped on the improvements, and honestly, we're just. You know, we're starting this journey out. There's going to be more improvements along the way. It's not going to be one of those things that's uh, one-sided and, uh, you know, the riders uh, take a lot of crap for it. But we're going, to, we're going to make sure everybody feels like, man, that was a great race. That was a great entertainment. That was something to remember each time they go to the track. So definitely more room for improvements, uh, but uh, we'll get there and uh, we're going to keep on trucking. Fair enough, my friend. Now, I'll let you get on with the rest of your evening as uh, as I have to pack my bag for a late hockey game this evening. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Now I put you on the spot because you are the the color analyst for the series. You're the analyst. Who's winning these two championships? The MX Tour Championships. I'm going to go Sean in the 250 and... Man, I don't want to be biased, but I really think Cole is gonna—he's gonna turn some heads in the East. I really—I usually don't go for him, usually, you know what I mean. But I, I'm confident that he's gonna turn it around and he's gonna be the guy. I—I I just know his willingness to win. So I'm gonna go with Cole in the 450 and Sean in the 250, just because honestly, Jess is the man in the 250. But I just think that the sand might not do him any favors. I've seen him ride in the past at Gopher Dunes, and I wasn't like. He was, I don't know, I just feel like he's going to be off the pace compared to those guys. Those guys are really good in the sand, Dylan and Sean. 
Absolutely, and then you throw in some spoilers like Joey Crown and uh, and, and Josh Osby in yeah. there, and it might be difficult to make up the points. You're 100% right. Uh, and then the 450 class, uh, showing a little bit of brotherly love for the 16 machine. Yeah. He's been running that number and on the orange bike for ever. In fact, uh, yeah. uh, Final Lap MX posting pictures uh, as recently as a couple weeks ago running the number 16 yeah. at Lake Whitney 2006. That's uh, that's pretty cool to see his loyalty for the number, the brand, and uh, just some fierce racing. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's awesome to see him with number 16. I rewatched his race from the weekend and it was uh, it's really cool. You know, it's a good look for him. Uh, it just looks so familiar, right? I watched him from when he was age of three jumping on a bike to, what was it, you know, when he was 17, I think uh, he turned pro and he went to number 160. So it was a good, you know, 15-year stretch there at least that uh, he had the number 16 on his bike. So definitely I'm sure he's thrilled. I'm pumped for him. And uh, along with the other riders that uh, picked the number that they're comfortable with, like the 45 and the 26, I know Cabin's very familiar with that number. So very cool. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Kevin Benoit turning pro at Deschambeau 2003 on a KX2, uh, KX125, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that's uh, back in the day. I was pro then, so yeah, I would race him. There you go. I, I think uh, I think uh, Lockhart lapped him about two corners before taking his only uh, moto victory in the uh, in C- Canadian pro racing. Uh, but that's just because I, I only remember that because we did a, a little uh, voiceover with that particular race. But uh, um, awesome to see you guys working so hard with the series. I can't wait to talk about the series more in the weeks to come. Enjoy the two weeks off, my friend Kyle Thompson. I appreciate you making some time on the Big MX Radio podcast show. As always, uh, we appreciate you coming on. And, uh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll cut it off right there, my friend. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot.